0: Don't know what it is, a Oklahoma
1: has it. Excellence has been established by Coach Wilkinson, Coach Switzer, and Coach Stoops. It's my responsibility to defend that standard and to build upon that standard. Welcome to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast.
2: With your host, Jesse Curtain and Brian Clinton.
3: Hello, Sooner Nation, OU Insider, subscribers, of course, Coach Brian Clinton, fanatics, bi-week haters. There's probably a bunch of you out there that fit all those categories, just just like the two of us. My name is Jesse Crittenden. Uh, This is the latest episode of the Oklahoma Drill, a podcast fueled by OU Insider and the Rivals Network. I am alongside my co-host, Coach Brian Clinton, sir, how did the bye week treat you? Uh
0: it was good until until Monday when my truck decided just to uh leave me stranded. But I mean, it is what it is. We'll get over it. We'll move on. Football season's back under in gear, so uh, just move on and move forward.
3: Are are you saying you would rather your vehicle work as opposed to not work if you had to pick if one of the two? That
0: would be my preference. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Bold <laughs>
3: Bold take, it's hot. Oh, <laughs> well, uh other than your 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 truck, I know that's unfortunate. Other than yeah. that, I hope you were able to to unplug for at least a little bit. That is the one Try benefit to. of that's the one benefit of a bye week for media members like the two of us. And I hope fans out there, OU fans, were able to maybe catch some other games you you'd otherwise miss. You you got to catch some other teams. And, uh, and, you know, as far as OU, I think, you know, last week for them, it was a it was a much needed bye week uh, coming off of a really emotional win uh, over Texas. And not to mention, I mean, the expectations are there now, Byron or Brian. They're the the they're the number six team in the country uh, play. I mean, Big 12 title, certainly a path there. College football playoff, certainly a path there. I think this was a, an opportunity for them to kind of get right heading into the second half of the season, which leads us into normally, Brian, we would, we would talk about the last week's game, but Oh, you didn't play. So instead let's talk a little bit about the, the second half of the season, you know, Oh, you got through their first half unscathed, but I still, I mean, there's still six regular season games, maybe a big 12 game, a bowl game. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things still left. So Brian, I turn it to you. If I were to ask you, What is your biggest question for this OU team heading into the second half of the season? What would that be?
0: I think the first, first and foremost is who replaces Andrew Anthony on the offensive side of the football. The passing game has been the strength of the team to this point. Um, You know, know, strength of the offense. I I don't want to take away from what the defense has done, but the, uh, the 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 offense ha- has really run through Dylan Gabriel and, and the pass catchers and you lost arguably your, your most uh, electrifying pass catcher uh of the year to this point with with Andrew Anthony and this is a guy that that you know as we've discussed he wasn't just a field stretcher he was also a guy that, that they really liked to go to underneath and and use on third downs and, and convert and move the move the chains and uh he did all of those things and so I look, I'm confident in, in who they've got in that room. I, I really like uh, the guys, you know, th- that are coming, coming on pretty strong with Nick Anderson. I, I like what you've gotten Jaden Gibson. Um, but maybe this is an opportunity for somebody like Jaquez Petaway to really get himself on the field more and make more of a difference, uh, you know, in the offense as opposed to just maybe a special teams guy. So um, there, there's opportunity there. And the good news is, 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 What you've seen from that room is guys step up uh, and guys really take grasp of the reins and and do a good job of of controlling their their opportunities and their moment. And I think that if you could have somebody step into that position and and do that yet again in this this spot, I, I think they'll be just fine.
3: Yeah, no, I I agree with you, Brian. But I also think that is a huge question. It's it's a huge question given the production that Andrew Anthony had through six weeks. I mean, second on the team in receptions, first on the team in receiving yards with 429, uh, second on the team in targets. No doubt. I mean, he played a huge role. And and uh, Brian, people or subscribers at OU Insider will know I, I've I, I've done some some midseason review for each position group. And when I looked at the wide receivers, I was kind of curious about. You know, trying to answer that question. Who's gonna step up? Um, the snap count data, and this kind of goes back to last year, too, Brian, is is Jeff Levy, it's pretty clear that he wants a top three at wide receiver. If you look at the snap counts, Jalil Farouk, Drake Stoops, and Angel Anthony played way more snaps than anybody else. I mean, I think, for example, Nick Anderson is fourth on the team in snaps so far, but has played just above half of the amount of snaps that Angel Anthony played through six weeks so i think to me you know i've had some people ask me that same question and you know you and i talked about it last week i think it's nick anderson i think you and i both agree that's probably going to be the biggest beneficiary i do think there are going to be some other opportunities for for other guys like you mentioned um but it's pretty clear to me that they want somebody to come in and take the bulk of the reps that's how jeff levy operates so I think it is going to be Nick Anderson. So it will be interesting to see. Does Nick Anderson take the whole thing or like, you know, the the very vast majority of them? No. Or do does Jeff Levy, you know, change things up a little bit and it's more of a by committee approach? So I think that's going to be interesting. Uh Brian, I'll I'll hit you with with one of my biggest questions. And it centers around this running game, uh, through the, you know, through the back half of the season. I think specifically the question is, is Tawi Walker going to lead this backfield over the second half of the season. And you look at the stats, you, you I mean he probably should. I mean he leads the team in, in in rushing yards. Um he leads, you know, all running backs in in rushing touchdowns and yards per carry, um elusiveness, if you want to go through advanced stats, he leads in yards per or yards per or excuse me, uh, yards after contact per carry, which means he's he's really hard to bring down compared to those other guys. But it is, you know, like if you look at the stats, Brian, Tali Walker seems like he should be that guy, but it is interesting with how much run Marcus Major is getting. Uh, what's the deal with Javante Barnes? Brent Venables said they're hopeful he's going to be back over the second half of the season. Does Gavin Sachuk get in the mix? This, this rushing attack has not been great through six weeks, and I do think they're going to need an improvement there in the second half of the season, but what do you see there?
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and look, this is this is a really good spot uh, for Oklahoma to be in as far as trying to get the run game figured out. Considering the two defenses that they're they're playing against uh, in the next two weeks are are some of the worst defenses as far as uh, defending the run goes. So you've got an opportunity to build some confidence. But something that I looked at over the bye week that was really interesting to me was that tawi Walker leads, uh, leads the Sooners in rushing, but he's only got 53 carries on the year. Mm-hmm. And so like, when you look at that comparatively to some of the other rosters, you've got a lot of tread on the tires, as far as the season goes for these running backs. So if there is an opportunity, if they do find a way to mesh and get on the same timing and, and, and get everybody involved as far as the offensive line goes and get that rotation figured out, um, you know, you've got a lot of fresh guys that can really impact the game on the back end of the schedule. But still, the the question remains, who is going to be the guy that takes over? Um, For this game, you know, peeking ahead a little bit against UCF, Kansas just absolutely played bully ball uh, the last time UCF was on the field. So I think Tali Walker could have a huge day uh, just as far as how he runs. But right now, I would say it's got to be Tawi Walker until one of those younger guys – uh, steps in and, and plays a bigger role because I mean, as as good as as Andrew or as as good as Marcus Major is uh, with the ball in his hands, we, we've we've seen he has a propensity to to go down with injury, and and so you need to have somebody else out there that's ready to go at any given time.
2: This episode of the Oklahoma Drill is brought to you in part by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They offer the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Prize Picks is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. With the Prize Picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for NFL games and college football top 25 matchups. If you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. This weekend, I like the matchup for my Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Baker Mayfields against the Atlanta Falcons. I'll be throwing in an entry for Mayfield to go above his projected touchdown total. Go to prizepickscom slash insider and use code INSIDER for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash insider and use code INSIDER for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily Fantasy Sports made easy. That's prizepicks.
3: Well, and and unfortunately, I think, you know, for for Marcus Major, I mean, he leads the team in carries, but he's averaging 3.8 yards per carry. Just the, yeah. the efficiency hasn't super been there. There's been moments. There's been good moments efficiency hasn't been there. And Jamarco Murray said it at the beginning of the year. I asked him, I said, when you lose a guy like Eric gray, do you kind of know you have to have multiple guys pick up the slack or are you looking for one guy? And he said, I want a bell cow. That's what he wants. So it is going to be, but that's not what we've seen through the first six weeks. It has been a by committee Mm -hmm. approach. So that'll be interesting. Brian hit me with your, if you have a second biggest question for the Sooners hit me with it.
0: Yeah. Um, and this this is just kind of one that you know I, I know history doesn't really play an actual factor in a season or the way that it goes, but Oklahoma hasn't had an undefeated regular season since two thousand and four. And so you know, growing up watching Oklahoma and just having a lot of family and friends, there's always this sentiment of what game? What's the game going to be? What game is it this year that they're going to drop? Uh, what's the game that that's going to that they're going to slip up and and lose that regular season game that, that really eliminates any, uh, you know, uh, ability to have error at some point. What, what there's a, there's a phrase I'm trying to find there and I can't find it, but uh, anyways, there's no, there's no room for error if they, if they drop a game in the regular season. And so can this team avoid it? I, I would say as far as the back half of the schedule goes, you you look at it and it looks manageable. It, now it looks a little more difficult than it did a few weeks ago with with Oklahoma State looking to play a little bit better and and, and TCU maybe turning some things around. But still, there's, there's no way Oklahoma doesn't go into each one of those games at minimum a, a double-digit favorite. Um, I think that they're going to be favored – even against Kansas it should be somewhere right around 10 points uh, on the road. So it'd be interesting to see. Uh, and I'm curious to hear what, what you've got to say on that.
3: It's a really good question. And actually, that was uh, – I did one of my my midweek mailbags last week, and somebody asked me, what, what do you th- – I mean, it, it does seem like, especially in the last few years, or really historically going back the last 15 years or so, that OU drops typically a game that they don't expect. And some of that is is disappointing because they didn't play well. And some of it is that it's just really hard to go undefeated Brian, in, in college yeah. football. But I went through uh, – Brian, I actually went from 2016 to 2021 – Um, I looked through those years specifically because I think, you know, those years specifically every year OU was seen as a a college football playoff contender. OU lost nine regular season games through that stretch. They surrendered 39 points per game in those losses. So that tells you that – and I can't remember what they scored offensively, but there were decent offensive outputs too. It's just the defense surrendered so many points. I think of that 2020 season where – um, they gave up really big uh, scoring outings to Iowa state and Kansas state really early in the year that the, the COVID year. Um, so I think I bring that up to say, I think if you're asking, can this team do it? It's a combination of two things. One, I don't see the defense having that kind of slip like those defenses in the past. I just don't. That's the common denominator in all of those losses. Mm-hmm. The other one is I do think this is probably the easiest schedule back half of the schedule OU has had in a very long time. Like you said, it's assuming health for the most part and they don't have any kind of slip up, they're going to be heavy favorites the rest of the way. So I think it's both of those things combined. That doesn't mean it can't happen. Look, we've talked about it. Right. If Kansas gets Jalen Daniels back, that game in Lawrence is not going to be easy. All of a sudden Oklahoma State looks like they've they've kind of got their act together a little bit uh TCU can't downplay them hey even UCF is a heavy favorite this weekend but UCF has a good offense and, and playing in
0: Provo is not easy I mean no, even as bad not. as BYU's looked so no it's it, not uh, yeah
3: so that's why it's like I want to make it clear I'm not saying OU's gonna steamroll I'm saying collectively this is probably a little bit of an easier path right um so that's you know that's I I, I don't see it I I think OU and Texas meet again and yeah. in, in the conference title game
0: well and you know just to add on to that sure you look at the, the matchup predictor on espn or wherever they have a 95 percent chance of winning every game or you know 90 percent. but collectively they still only have i believe a 40 percent chance of going undefeated so that i just just metrics wise that just tells you how hard it is to go unscathed the rest of the way it doesn't matter who you're playing it's just really really hard oh uh, it is it is and no
3: yeah, not to mention, again, health. It plays a huge, huge role. Last year, Dylan Gabriel went down for a couple of games, and that's – the season kind of fell apart. So you really can never know. But the path is there. I think the overall takeaway is the path is there for OU, I think, yep. to not repeat some of those mistakes. Uh, Brian, I think I'll just quickly touch on my last question, is which is can this defense continue what it has been doing? Um, all that being said about the schedule, they are going to face, you know, some good offenses – i down the stretch, but I mean, you look at what they've done the first six weeks. I mean, the fact that this defense is tied for seventh in the country in scoring defense that they've only given up 14 points that they only gave up or 14 points per game, they only gave up 23 offensive points to Texas. It's just crazy. It's crazy considering where they were a year ago. And I do think it's gotten to the point where as good as this offense has been at times, I don't think OU can run the table and win the conference title and get to the playoff if this defense doesn't continue to play well I mean I do I think that's where this team has gotten is the defense playing well is a big part of it so I I don't know Brian what do you I mean how confident are you this this defense can keep this going.
0: I, I think that you've seen a lot of guys just grow in confidence as the year has gone along and kind of what they're doing and what their keys are. And so if, if you can continue that and, and the younger guys continue to come on the way that they have, I don't there's there's not a lot of doubt in my mind that they should be able to continue playing at the at the rate that they have. Um, I mean, look, this is this this team is really starting to show the qualities of its head coach. And I I think as that continues to become more and more of a factor, uh, as his tenure there grows longer, that's going to just continue to be the case. The strength of this team um, is going to be what its defense is able to do. That's that's really what the backbone of Clemson's national championship runs while, while Brent Venables was there were. Yes, they had really, really good offensive playmakers, but at the end of the day, you knew if Clemson needed to keep somebody out of the end zone, it was going to that things were going to be just fine because it was Brent Venables running the show there. And, and that's really what we've seen uh, from Oklahoma to this point this year. So uh, I like where the Sooners defense is at. And I think that it, it just continues to get better from here.
3: I I, th- I think I agree with you. I think this defense has shown enough to be confident and that they did that they can keep up this pace over the second half of the season. Brian, before we before we get into this this matchup with UCF, I wanted to to touch on just a couple of things that have happened the last couple of days with, uh, you know, with some of the press conferences, some of the, some of the availabilities uh, with players. I think the two things that stood out to me. The first one is you know we got to talk with Jacob Lacey on Monday, and holy cow, he went into he went into really you know vivid detail about just how tough this summer was, and for people who, who don't know, just, you know, he's, he's, you know, he all of a sudden was, was flying back home to Notre Dame. And, uh, you know, during the summer to, for, uh, you know, to, to see some friends and he, you know, had a big issue with blood clots in a, in a, in his lungs. And uh, there was real concern that he wasn't going to be able to come back to football. I think he said the doctor told him that he probably shouldn't be alive. And after all of that, He's not only back on the field, Brian, he started the last five games on the defensive line and making plays. I mean, that does the whole game against Texas change if he doesn't have that fourth quarter sack on Texas's final drive. I mean, that was huge and holding them to a field goal. But holy cow, I think it was important for me to highlight this, Brian, just because I think it's easy to get caught up in the these guys as players on the field, right. But holy cow what a, what a story and for him to be on the field after everything he's been through it's it's truly crazy it really is
0: well and just the testimony that that gives you going forward for life like I mean you can't you can't put there's no amount of, of value that you can put into that um, to be able to talk about what you overcame and and what you've done and uh you know obviously having a family around you uh, is is vital in that, but having somebody in a, in a close knit relationship with the guys in the locker room and the coaching staff that, that they've built here, you know, I, I think that really just speaks volumes on uh, his commitment to what's going on. And and it's really, really uh, positive news that he's been able to come back and do this and, and just really happy for the guy to have the amount of success that he's had after overcoming something like that.
3: Yeah, no kidding. And and I just want to make sure it's clear. He he actually talked about it. He was diagnosed with a pulmonary embolism. And, wow. and so that's just it's a, I mean, I think for that to have happened in the summer and for him to come back. I mean, it's a testament to his work ethic. It's a testament to who he is as a person, how much he wanted to be on the field. And so I think it is important sometimes to take a moment and acknowledge uh, not only how great of a story that is, but the, that he's have and also just to highlight specifically him as a player that he started the last five games and is having a big impact on this defense. Brian, I think the other thing I wanted to touch on is, you know, McCade Matower is going to be out one to two weeks. And so that puts the focus not only on the right guard spot, which is where McCade has has started every single game, but also that left guard spot, um, which Troy Effort had played the last couple of weeks, but it was Caden Green in the game um against Texas in that fourth quarter so um but to focus uh on the right guard I mean it looks like Caleb Schaefer is going to get that opportunity there we actually got to talk with him uh on Tuesday um how confident are you maybe that that this offensive line can can absorb or can 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 be productive without McCade at right guard and as far as that left guard spot I mean you know Brett Venable said Savion is back and healthy what should the Sooners do there So
0: kind of, as I I pointed to earlier, I think it's, if if there was a spot in the season that you were going to lose a guy like Matoyer on the inside, um, this is a good time to do it. I mean, the strength of UCF's defense or, or Kansas defense for that matter is not the interior of the defensive line. So uh, if you're going to lose him and, and hopefully get him back healthy, you want him back for, for guys, you know, for, for West Virginia and Oklahoma state and, and that back half of the, of the schedule. So, um, as far as what Caleb Schaefer brings, you know, he's a big guy. Uh, he's got some experience playing at the division one level. Um, but you're still losing somebody that's played a ton of football. Um, and I, and I think that, you know, maybe this pays it forward a little bit for, for, you know, just their development going to the, the end of the year and, and going into next year, it's good to get some of these younger guys to go, but, um, I think that can overcome it. it it's going to be interesting to see those, those four names that you said, C- Caden Green, uh, Caleb Schaefer, Troy Everett and Savion Byrd. Um, you need those guys. You need somebody to really emerge uh, and become your, your other guy outside of McCade, Montoyer, because the other spots are locked up. The other spots have looked really good. Um, guard has been the, that specifically that left guard spot has been a question mark. And so, um Maybe, maybe you see Caleb Schaefer come out and do really, really well, and, and maybe he becomes the guy that takes over at that other guard spot. So, um in short, they, they need to figure it out, and and I, I'm confident in the guys that they have there. But but obviously getting entire back after a couple of games will be really good.
3: Yeah, I agree, and I'll just I'll just briefly add to that that obviously Savion Bird started the year as the starting left guard, but you know got hurt and just hasn't been back, and Caden Green who uh, has largely played tackle for his career, which is what has made it interesting to see him get some snaps at left guard. So I do think if nothing else, uh, you know, I think that right guard spot, I mean, it's going to be McCade's when he comes back, but this yep. is maybe an opportunity for the other group of guys to to make a name for themselves at that left guard spot, which to me is still in flux mm-hmm. uh, at the midway point of the year. Brian, let's, uh, let's segue to this matchup. Between OU and UCF, Uh, I'm sure fans will love that it is an it is another 11 a.m. kickoff at uh, Oklahoma Memorial Stadium in Owen Field. Uh, That game will be on ABC, I believe, on Saturday. Uh, Brian, OU is a massive, massive favorite. Um, But just to to briefly touch on where UCF is, they're kind of all over the place, man. They're they're third in rushing offense, which is a testament to how good they've been running the ball. They're, they're 28th in scoring offense. They have put up some points, um, but they're 83rd in scoring defense, which means they've given up a lot of points. Uh, they're 27th in passing defense, which means they've done a really good job. But part of that is because their rushing defense is so bad. That's where our opponents are attacking them. They're 119th in rushing defense. Uh, they're 3-3 and on the year. Big 12 play has not been good to them so far, including a just a gut punch loss to Baylor. A few weeks ago, a game they had, a, I think, a 29-point lead. Is that right, Brian? I believe so, yes. 29-point lead and lost by one uh, to a Baylor team that is not – frankly, that is not very good. Um, but the, the the guts are there, Brian, to think that there's a decent team in the muck here, but they're they're 0-3 in Big 12 play so far. Let me turn it over to you. What's the main thing you're looking at heading into this matchup?
0: So – there was a lot of numbers that popped off the screen, like you just said, whenever I was kind of going over what this team has done. Um Oklahoma leads the country in turnover margin plus 11, and UCF ranks 117th in that category. They're minus five on the year. They don't force a lot of turnovers defensively, and they've committed 10 on the year. And so, um, you know, protecting the football is one thing that they've struggled with. But you kind of touched on it there uh with them being a top five offense statistically, I believe they ranked fourth in the country, 516 yards a game, uh, but, but they're scoring. Uh, they're a little further down the list. That's because they're only scoring on 76% of their red zone trips, which is not a good number. That's, that's worse than, than uh, Texas. And and we saw what happened last week when, when Texas got inside the red zone. So, um, you know, I think this is kind of one of those things where, it matches up well with, with what Oklahoma needs to get better at. You need Oklahoma to try and kind of find a way and establish a running game just to feel better about where things are at. Um, but I'm not naive. I know that Dylan Gabriel is going to want to come out. Not that there's any bad blood between him and his former program, but you always want to, you want to show what you're capable of and and how you've grown as an athlete. And so, um, you know, this is, this game is the, a lot of the storylines going into it are going to be about Dylan Gabriel, but I think this is going to be more about, uh, Oklahoma running the football, uh, and then playing contain on on John Rice Plumley. That's going to be what's really important here.
1: Gentlemen, across the nation, I have an urgent message for you. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. The brand that took your balls to space is launching them into Ultrasphere, introducing the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Featuring a new cutting edge design and next generation dual skin safe blade heads for different shaves, It's pretty much a spaceship to take your boys downstairs to the next level. Join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code OU Insider. Again, go to manscaped.com. To get 20% off the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code OUInsider. Again, the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code OUInsider. High tech for low places, Manscaped.
3: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned John Rice Plumlee. That's that's something I should have mentioned at the top is that that is an important caveat to what's, you know, they've been largely without him during conference play. And he does make their team differently with as a dual threat quarterback. Uh, he's averaging over eight yards per carry uh, this season when, when he has played. Um, so I think to me, and we'll touch on Dale, Dylan Gabriel a little bit more in a second, but to me, Brian, I think it's the rushing attack for both teams, this this OU rushing defense has been pretty pretty dang good and a lot better than they were last year. I, th- I think they had a really good showing against against Texas. They're they're 28th this season in rushing defense. But to me, does that rushing defense hold up against a unit in UCF that is probably as a whole uh, the the best rushing unit certainly they've seen so far and may seen the rest of the year? And then mm-hmm. you turn to the other side of things. I think it's hard to know if the UCF defense is really good at guarding the pat or is defending against the pass, or if it's just because they're not good defending the run opponents aren't passing the ball. But to me, there's a, this is a prime opportunity for OU's running game to get going. And if they can't, And it puts the shoulders on Dylan or puts the the load on Dylan Gabriel. That would worry me a little bit about this running game if they can't Mm -hmm. get going against UCF. That would worry me a little. I
0: would agree. Yeah, I mean, when Kansas piles up 399 yards on the ground and five touchdowns, and this team's giving up five yards a carry, I mean, you should be able to get the ball going on the ground here. So, hundred percent agree with you on that.
3: Yeah, I, I absolutely. But again, I think there's no reason. I mean, uh, there's no reason to think that that OU isn't going to need Dylan Gabriel uh, to to play well. Obviously, he's played really well through the first six weeks. I'm glad you touched on. Obviously, this is a this is a bit of a not a homecoming. Uh, what uh, road road coming? Yeah, sure. His former that team. works. Is that road it? Sure, <laughs> 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 his former team is coming to Norman. Reunion <laughs>
0: That's what it is. A reunion. Yeah. Let's a reunion. Call that.
3: there That's go. a much simpler <laughs> word that should have come to mind a lot quicker than road coming. It is a <laughs> reunion game for Dylan Gabriel, and it comes at an interesting time, Brian. OU 6 and O UCF struggling a little bit in their first season of the Big 12, and the Heisman hype for Dylan Gabriel. It's not just hype anymore. It's tangible. It's real. Um, I, I mean, I think he's, he's probably in the top three favorites right now. I think he is a top three betting favorite right now. Um, and so I think the, the path for him to get an invite to New York city is, is pretty clear. It's continue to play like he has and OU needs to keep winning games. And I think both those things can happen, but for Dylan Gabriel, you know, I do think, you know, I do think OU is going to be able to run the ball a little bit more against UCF. I don't know if Dylan Gabriel is going to have to pass the ball a ton. The thing I'm going to be looking for is how much is he used in the running game is a big part of OU's rushing attack him. You know, running the ball on the ground—that's what we've seen the last couple of weeks. He had 113 yards against Texas. That—that that to me is what I'm looking for specifically out of Dylan Gabriel. Even outside of the Heisman hype, the reunion storyline is: does he continue to run the ball like this?
0: Yeah, and I, I think Oklahoma kind of found, it's, and it's been a good thing for for Jeff Levy.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, to to kind of wrap it up, Brian, just how confident are you that that the Sooners can can improve to seven and zero? You know, after this weekend, and what do you think is the number one key? If if you're confident, what do you think is the is the thing that that propels them to victory this weekend?
0: So, uh, I really I do like Oklahoma's chances to to move to seven and zero here. I I don't think that this is a. I think the bye week came at a really really good time. Uh, you probably don't want to face John Rice Plumley coming back right off of an emotional win against Texas. I think it was really good for them to be able to recenter and and have an intense week of, you know, it was a shortened week, but an intense week of practice last week during the bye. And so uh, I, I think my confidence, it, it really lies on the defense, um, just what we've seen from from Oklahoma's defense to this point. Um, forcing turnovers, uh, Plumley on the years got three touchdowns and four interceptions through those first two games. He also had a fumble against Kent State. Um, and I, I think that, that Oklahoma is going to be able to put enough pressure on him uh, and play well enough uh, contain-wise to to keep him uh, in front of them and, and be able to, to, to do things that they need to do to force some turnovers and get some extra opportunities for that offense to put points on the board. So um, I think the defense, putting pressure on him, forcing turnovers, gives OU uh, more than enough opportunities to build a, a comfortable lead and pull away in this one.
3: I agree. And I think in the interest of of making not predictions, but things I think will happen. I do think this OU rushing defense will will kind of keep UCF's rushing offense, I think, largely in check, which I think will hamper UCF's offense. And I think I do think this is gonna be a game where OU's rushing offense is able to be dominant, where Dylan Gabriel doesn't have to mm. to make a bunch of throws. I do think this is a Towie Walker uh marcus major game maybe even gavin Sawchuk gets in the mix a little bit um but i do think this is a game that that oh you can come away from it feeling a little bit better about their rushing attack a little bit better about what they need to do moving forward so i agree with you i think oh is a heavy favorite i think they're a near three touchdown favorite I, I think i don't know if they're i mean not about predicting whether they're going to cover or not but i do think oh you can can win this game pretty comfortably if they do you know both those things on both sides of the ball. Uh Brian to to kind of to kind of finish up here I wanted to look briefly at the um at the Big 12 schedule cuz again I think as OU, you know, moves up the standings if they get another win this weekend that's what people are going to be looking for. And again, the Big 12 has has just been kind of a mess um and a lot of things have have happened through the first 3 or 4 weeks of conference play, but uh brian as far as big 12 matchups this weekend we've got baylor and cincinnati we've got osu west virginia we've got texas and houston tcu and kansas state texas tech and byu what's your number one game you're going to be most paying attention to out of that group and what maybe should sooner fans be be looking at
0: uh this is an easy one for me it's oklahoma state
3: west virginia uh you've got two four
0: and two teams they're both two and one um historically that second loss in, in uh big 12 play is kind of the, that's the edge. That's the hard cut of where you, um, you can't lose more than two games and get to the conference championship game. Last time, uh, that happened, I believe it was Colorado in 2007 got in as a four and four, uh, team in big 12 play. And so, uh, You need whoever wins that game sets themselves up at 3-1 and in conference play, and that's huge going forward. Uh, We're kind of getting down to where you're cutting teams out of the race, and uh, whoever loses that game is going to have a a tough hill to climb. So um, I'm definitely paying attention to that one up there in Morgantown.
3: I agree, and I think just to add to that, I think it's really interesting because, I mean, obviously OU and Texas are still in prime position if they take care of business to make it back to the Big 12 title game, but within the context of who is OU's biggest challenge moving forward, I think largely it was seen as Kansas, especially after Oklahoma State lost that game to South Alabama. But all of a sudden, Oklahoma State, a couple wins over a, you know a Kansas team that you know was without Jalen Daniels, but still, that's a good Kansas team, win over Kansas State, all of a sudden it seems like Oklahoma State's Figured some stuff out, you know, Alan Bowman's played, you know, pretty decently, they've had some playmakers step up that defense is forcing turnovers, and I think all of a sudden, you know, this is still I think not not, you know, an Oklahoma State team that's been one of the best under Mike Gundy, but I think all of a sudden, if they get another win against a West Virginia team that should probably be five and one, <laughs> after that Hail Mary lost to Houston last weekend. I think all of a sudden if they get another win against West Virginia I think you've got to start really looking at that game in Stillwater come November 4th about you know how much of a test that could be for yeah. Oklahoma.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and and Ollie Gordon they they figured out if they hand yeah. the ball off to Ollie Gordon things go well for you and I mean I I think I've been hearing that from people for a long time and it's been the truth. He's looked really really good. He's got 121 yards or more in the last 3 games. So uh watch out for the pokes i guess
3: <laughs> hey, if they win against west virginia this is at west virginia i should have yep. mentioned this is at west virginia i think yep. this West virginia team's decent all of a sudden you got to start thinking about oklahoma state as a as, as a possible threat to oklahoma as a as a threat to get to the big 12 title game If if texas or oklahoma stumbles a little bit you know texas is a huge favorite against houston on saturday i think they're a 24 point favorite yeah. so Uh, it may not be this weekend, but also that might be interesting to see if there's any hangover from a Texas point of thing or point of view, uh, after the red river rivalry. Um, so should be interesting, Brian, it should be a really good weekend of football. And I think, I think OU fans are going to be, you know, as great as that Texas win was, I think now it's about, I think people are antsy to get to, you know, for OU to get back on the field.
0: Uh, quick caveat. If you're, if you're not into that game and you're looking more, uh, nationally, don't miss the Penn State Ohio, Ohio State. State. Game. Yeah. Keep up with that one. I'm not sure when kickoff is. I believe it's an eleven. I think it's the same time as Oklahoma. Um, keep your it phones. Is. Keep your phones ready because that one's gonna be that one may play a role in who Oklahoma ends up facing down the road, uh, considering both of those teams look primed and and ready to make a new year six or or potentially a playoff at some point. So that'll be a big one to to be paying attention to as well.
3: Yeah, glad you mentioned that. I think this is within the context of again, if Oklahoma takes care of business and wins out, I think there's no way they make the they don't make the playoff. But mm-hmm. if they lose one, it's gonna be games like this that that could end up playing a role in how the final, you know, uh, you know, playoff seeds, how the rankings yep. Yep. shake out. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Well, Brian, I think that is going to do it for us here uh on this latest episode of the Oklahoma Drill podcast. Uh you know, everybody I think knows by now that you could find us every Thursday on our OU Insider uh YouTube channel. Uh, if you want to watch this podcast uh, every week, go ahead and hit the like and subscribe button and subscribe to the OU Insider channel. If you're not a VIP member at over uh, over at ouinsider.com, you absolutely should. You'll get uh, access to content from from me and Brian. You'll get recruiting content from uh, Parker Thune and Brandon drum, you'll get access to, to message boards, you know, thousands of other OU fans in a community over there. You don't want to miss it. Also be looking for other content on this OU insider YouTube channel. We've got the, the field vision series that, that Brian handles and um, plenty of other podcast offerings, plenty of other video offerings. So you guys won't want to miss that. Otherwise, Brian, pretty excited about this weekend of football. We'll see if, uh, if Oklahoma can take care of business against UCF. Otherwise we'll see everybody next week.